Theorizing that primetime audiences were ready for a new time travel series, NBC and creator Donald Belisario debuted Quantum Leap on March 26, 1989. Starring Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell, the series followed Dr. Sam Beckett for five seasons of time-hopping adventures, spawning novels, comics, and a fan base that has clamored for decades for a revival. Now, with Raymond Lee and Caitlin Bassett starring in a new version of the series that dangles just as many new threads as it does old ones, we'll ball the string up and explore the revival and the ways in which Quantum Leap has always entertained and inspired us here on... Oh boy... Oh boy, it's a Quantum Leap Podcast. My name is Nate, and with me is a co-host we can all see and hear. It's Brian Martin. Hello, everybody. Here we are. Yeah, until there's another hiatus in two weeks, but hey, I'm happy to get what we get, man. Yeah, we'll find something we can watch. I've got quite a few things that I want to uh, address right up top, if we can, before we get into this. Oh yeah, sure, sure. I watched something recently, and... I know we're still sort of getting to know each other. I feel like we know each other a little better now than we did 12 episodes ago. Sure. Right? Yeah, I think so. Based yeah. on conversation before and after and such. But one thing you may not know, I am a fan of the romantic comedy. Huh, okay. And this last weekend, I watched Meet Cute. Are you familiar with this movie? I have heard of it. I don't recall who's in it or or what it's about. Okay, meet cute. It's Kelly Cuoco of Big Bang Theory fame. Yes, and the flight attendant, right? Right, from that show. Uh, she and uh, Pete Davidson, if you're at all a fan of Pete Davidson. Okay, uh, yeah. And, and I mean, I, who's not <laughs> at this I, point? <laughs> I do. I like Pete Davidson. I really liked King of Staten Island. Did you watch that? I didn't see that one, but it, but it looked really good. It um, was good. That was, uh, that was that legitimately was, uh, good. That was a Judd Apatow movie, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I like a good chick flick, or uh, it actually doesn't even have to be all that good. <laughs> the the, the <laughs> like, trashy, yeah, the a trashy I, chick flick. Yeah, the one I realized that I was just going to go ahead and like these types of movies was there's this one where Reese Witherspoon is a ghost. And she's like, um, I don't even know what you're talking no, about, man. Know, like, Reese it's, <laughs> like, it's Reese Witherspoon and Mark Ruffalo. And Mark Ruffalo moves into an apartment that she inhabits as a ghost. And it's a romantic comedy. And I'm like, this movie's terrible. I love it. <laughs> wow. So this is this is something I'm uh, revealing to the world here on, on um, podcast television. But the reason I bring it up. Not only is it Peacock, so Quantum Leap adjacent, it's on. It's a Peacock original movie. Okay. What's interesting is that Kelly Cuoco plays a time traveler. I'm listening. Yeah. So <laughs> they basically, they meet in this bar and they're on a date. And eventually near the end of the date, she reveals she's from the future. Okay. And, of course, they have all these jokes about time travel movies back and forth, you know, Back to the Future, Terminator, are you here to kill John Connor, blah, blah, blah. 
Okay, that's that's um, some low-hanging fruit there, Nate. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> it's just sort of a back and forth that they have. And then go to find out that she can only travel back 24 hours or whatever. So she's been living the same day over and over and over again, going okay. back to go right. on the date with him. So it's also like Groundhog Day. And I was just like, wow, this is it's cute, it's fun. And then she goes back, I kid you not, to put right what once went wrong for Pete Ooh. Davidson. So she has a time machine and she uses it to go back and change Pete Davidson's life. So he doesn't get the Ariana Grande tattoo. Right. I'm, I'm taking it. Exactly. But it's just, if you've got nothing to watch, I know it's got like 58% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. I looked it up after the fact, but I was like, I like these types of things. And then I thought it's definitely worth mentioning because she like literally says, well, I'm going to go back and put right what once went wrong. And it's wow. Peacock. And it, yeah, so. Yeah, I, there's, mm, that's, that's, that's a mission statement if ever I heard one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I quite enjoyed time it. Travel, you know, obviously, obviously I, I have an affinity for time travel. I have affinity for time travel movies. And that is that is very interesting. That's a hook I did not know about right. with this movie. So that's 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 good to know. And it just seemed like something that needed to be brought up on a podcast like this one. So if you are watching Quantum Leap on Peacock and that meet cute ad comes up on your streamer, you know, give it a click. I I enjoyed it. I honestly can say that I enjoyed my time watching that movie. Solid. Solid. Yeah, I think we need a new segment at the beginning of the show that's like watch the cock or something like that. I want to call first of all, <laughs> no, no, I want to I, I want to coin the term the cock for peacock. Okay? I, I want us to be able to call that. I want everybody everywhere to be able to just call it the cock for shorthand. I want this streaming service to be badass enough to just be called the cock. And it's getting there. We were talking right before it's we started recording yeah. about a, an absolutely outstanding new show that is a Peacock exclusive that I think, Nate, we were both kind of itching for. Yes. Currently four or possibly a fifth episode out at this point. Yeah, by the time this airs, yeah, almost certainly five at least. Ryan Johnson's Poker Face. So which good. Which is terrific, terrific show. Natasha Leone in the role that is going to... I'm just going to throw it out there. Define her. I was familiar with her before. And what's that? Uh, Russian Doll is her show that she yes. wrote and created. But I, I've not seen Russian Doll. so. Well, there's that. I mean, I think she's probably best known for uh, Orange is the New Black. Yeah, that's what I knew except her in, from. Except in mm -hmm. my household, where she's best known for her work as a juvenile on Pee Wee's uh, Playhouse. What? Really? Yeah, she was a member of the Playhouse gang. On Pee-wee's Playhouse back in like 1988, 89. God, I didn't know she went back that far. That's where she got her start, man. And then, of course, later on, it was like the American Pie movies she was in, Orange is the New Black, and right. then Russian Doll, and now here we are. I just blown away, blown away. Ryan Johnson is, I don't know if he's my favorite director, but he's definitely one that I will now see a movie because he directed it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. At this point, I think Knives Out was the turning point for me where I'm like, okay, well, he's got my buy-in. Yeah. And his name is enough to get me to show up at this point. Yeah. He just seems like a guy who's having fun with everything he's doing. Yeah. 
Star Wars, I think, is what did it for me is because I'm of the 50 percent that love that movie. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I loved Brick. Mm -hmm. And I went back and watched Looper and enjoy it. So, yeah, I think after the Knives Out movies. Yeah, it's like Ryan Johnson's kind of got me. Yeah. And uh, this television show, Poker Face, it kind of popped up out of nowhere. Ryan Johnson was on an episode of the WTF podcast with Mark Marin. Okay. It was right around the time Glass Onion was coming out. And that's where I heard about Poker Face for the first time. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. That's interesting. I subscribe to Peacock. Why isn't Peacock inundating me with advertising right? for this yeah. as I'm sitting there watching Quantum Leap on Tuesday nights. Yeah. It, for anybody that's not familiar, it's a throwback to Columbo. I mean, that's the easiest thing to say. Yeah, uh, it's kind of, like a, kind of like a Columbo slash the fugitive kind of aesthetic where it's mm-hmm. like every episode is its own little thing. There's a mystery to be solved and Natasha Leone plays this just eccentric mystery solver. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know how else to describe her. Her deal is that she can tell when someone's lying. Human and lie that's detector. that's the extent of it. She's a human lie detector. She doesn't know what the truth is. She just knows when someone's bullshitting her. Right. She's missed her calling as a detective. She's kind of wasted this talent thus far at gambling halls and then sort of just kind of puddling her way through life or whatever. And I think through solving these murders, like Weekly, we've talked about that before, the weekly television show. I relish that some shows might go back to this episodic nature and poker face still has that long form narrative just right. bubbling underneath but it's not the main focus yeah i'm four episodes in i know you you said you were two i'm ep- only i'm only two episodes into this show so I'm, I'm i'm in loving it four episodes in and it's it's not a spoiler to say that the antagonist quote unquote only appears one other time for about two, three minutes on screen. The idea I feel is that the story's been introduced in the first episode and the resolution will likely happen in the final episode. And everywhere in between is just going to be like its own episode. And this through line you're discussing is just what forces her down the road to the next town. I mentioned The Fugitive because it seems much more like the instigating event or the events of the pilot episode. Mm -hmm. Much like... The instigating events of The Fugitive. I didn't kill my wife! I don't care! Poker Face is much the same in that the entire first episode gets to a point where you're like, oh, well, I guess she has to run now, and she does. So that's the propulsive element that explains the why behind this sort of drifter, searching the earth kind of status. We've talked about that character before, too, whether it's Kung Fu or... Highway to Heaven or The Incredible, the Incredible Hulk. Hulk. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it's, the Incredible Hulk is the one that comes to my mind because it's like Mr. McGee. You know? Yes. She's got yeah. a Mr. McGee that's chasing her, you know? Basically. Right. Something that, that she's on the run and everywhere she stops, somebody happens to die. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like Murder, She Wrote. Uh, you know, every time she and shows up, she just happens yeah. to find a murder. Yeah. It's lengthy enough to really feel like you're getting a real good story. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, a lot of these episodes of just our Quantum Leap here, you feel almost shortchanged by the amount of time they have to try and tell the story they're trying to tell. They're constricted because they've got 43 minutes. They've got 43 minutes tops to tell the story. And the first two episodes of Poker Face clock in at over an hour. Right. And in the second episode, 
you don't even see Natasha Leone for probably 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's just these other characters right. for the first 15, 20 minutes of the show. And and so I was yeah. like, yeah, this is really scratching an itch for me. When there was no more to watch, I was like, okay, well, what <laughs> what do I do to buy Where do I time? go now? Yeah. yeah. And what I basically, I went to Columbo, which is yeah. also on Peacock. These guys know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And I, I like Columbo, but of course I haven't, don't have them all memorized like my parents do or something, you know what I mean? So, sure, sure. Uh, that was like a, that was like a generation removed kind of, you know? It's yeah, like we have these bit. vague memories right, of Peter exactly. Falk. But yeah, it's almost exactly the same format. You know, it's a good 20 minutes before Columbo shows up on the scene because they introduce most often the nefarious characters. Mm-hmm. This is what Ryan Johnson has called a, not a whodunit, but how to catch them. Yeah. Because you know what's happened early on. They tell you. Yeah, it's yeah. very direct. It's like you see what happens, and now it's just like, all right, let's watch our guy and see if he can figure this out. Yeah, and how is she going to catch him? How is she going to nail him to the wall? So, yeah, they get great guest stars. Part of the format Ryan Johnson was selling to people was like, look, you're going to have a whole hour that's basically just you and this character. You've gotten, we've gotten a number of Oscar nominees already. I'm only two episodes in. Yeah. And we've gotten, in the most recent episode I watched, the second episode, Hong Chow, who just got nominated for an Oscar for supporting actress for The Whale, but also appeared in The Menu as a really, really delightfully psycho character. <laughs> um, so Hong Chow is just uh, somebody who has just come into my awareness. Is now, that the truck driver? Is. The truck driver in episode okay. two is, is played okay, by see, Hong I Chow. Wasn't even, yeah, I'm not familiar um, with the movie. I mean, I'm familiar with the movie, but I have not seen it. And then you've got uh, Adrian Brody in the in the first episode. Adrian Brody, yeah. Oscar winner. They're pulling in some <laughs> heavy talent. He's really good in that, too. He's really so good. great. He's yeah. so great. Benjamin Bratt is in the show. It's just, yeah, it's highly recommended. Highly yeah. recommended. And if you're watching Quantum Leap, I would say there's a pretty good chance you've got a Peacock subscription. So, uh, yeah, you know, just just get on that cock and, and watch. Uh, All right, then. Watch, just <laughs> sit on it and watch Poker Face. <laughs> Settle down with the cock and relax. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, that was easily the best thing I saw on Peacock this week. Um, Okay. All right. But did you did you watch Quantum Leap when it premiered on Monday night or did you watch it on Peacock? I watched it on Monday night. Okay. um, And then we had to uh, postpone a recording. So I did see it again. Okay. On Peacock. Hmm. My initial feelings for this week's episode were a mild disappointment that I didn't feel I should have had. Okay. All right. So I agree I gave, with that. So I gave it a second <laughs> second watch. I, I kind of realized that I'm being a little too hard on this show. Okay. Week in All and right. week out. I don't even know if I can give you your regular setup. The question is, who didn't accept the <laughs> nudge this week? It's September 12th, 1962. Ben has initially leaped into a Colonel Parker, who is a military representative visiting a nuclear facility. There are four other people present. Mo Murphy, a janitor. Dr. Edwin Woolsey, 
who is overseeing the nuclear project and is played by Robert Picardo of Star Trek Voyager fame. Mallory Yang, who is a reporter getting the story about this nuclear facility. And Eugene Wagner, who is a scientist and protege of Dr. Edwin Woolsey. The way this facility is painted to Ben and us, the audience, is that it's a project dealing in renewable energy. 1962, that's a huge deal, right? Ben is very, very enthused about this. Well, everything goes tits up when the facility (laughs) suddenly explodes and Ben dies within the first 10 minutes of the episode. And when I say dies, I mean he flatlines at Project Quantum Leap. He is dead as a hammer. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Addison screams. It's a, it's, it's a really intense moment with our main cast just watching on as, oh my God, I can't believe this just happened. And then suddenly Ben's vitals return. And we find that Ben has leaped into a new person, another person in that same elevator. And on and on our time loop goes until Ben is able to solve the mystery of just who the hell blew up this nuclear facility. It's an episode that harkens back to, in more than one way, well, first, cause and effect. The Star Trek The Next Generation episode. I was going to say, I don't think uh, it harkens back to anything Quantum Leap. I wondered where you were going with that. No, 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 it doesn't. This is, all right, we've talked about Quantum Leap. The original Quantum Leap series was a drama show about people. The new Quantum Leap show is a time travel show Mm -hmm. about time travel, right? It's a sci-fi show about time travel. This episode is absolutely a new Quantum Leap show. I, I don't know, Nate. This is like maybe my new favorite episode of the show. And the oh, reason, no kidding. Wow. The reason is because it's a time travel episode. Okay. And there's no denying that What a Disaster, the earthquake episode that we talked about several times on the show, is sort of the best example of this new Quantum Leap being old Quantum Leap. But this episode is new Quantum Leap really leaning into new quantum leap where it is dealing in just the mechanics of time travel and manipulating it and using it to tell a story that is very windy. And again, as the doctor would say, timey wimey. So it reminds me of cause and effect classic next generation episode about a time loop or Mm -hmm. a temporal causality loop, as they call it, where the Enterprise keeps exploding over and over and over again. And it also reminds me, again, in more than one way, of the movie Edge of Tomorrow, which is one of the best, I think, time travel movies of the last decade, with Tom Cruise in it, where he dies over and over and over again. Which Uh, is, of course, where the title title of of this episode comes from. from The tagline, Leap, Die, Repeat. Yeah. Man, you want Brian time travel catnip? This is it, man. Yeah. For me. Like, like I love this shit. Indiscriminately, I love this shit. <laughs> well, all right. Uh yeah, you you've got enough enthusiasm for both of us, I think. I my uh it doesn't lend itself to quantum leap per se, but Mm-hmm. More so than any disappointment I had about it being a quantum leap episode, it was more like the use of the nuclear reactor. Okay. It was so foreboding in the little snippet that we were going to get, you know, and right. I was thinking like Dr. Strangelove or thought it was going to be really hokey and weird and 
domineering or whatever in it. And I didn't get the atmosphere that I was expecting to get. And I think that it's that's definitely what not like threw a, me off. Yeah, it's not like a Cold War paranoia episode, which I no. guess is kind of what we were anticipating right. with this. It's much less like a Doctor Strange love and much more a Back to the Future. You know, the original concept in Back to the Future. Uh, a refrigerator. A refrigerator a at ground zero at an atomic detonation, which was then used later, of course, in Indiana Jones 4, but not for great for time- success. Yeah. Yeah, to great to great success, of yeah. course. But obviously then they were like, why don't we make it a car and make it sweet as hell? And like, yeah, okay, that's where the movie popped. Right. But a very similar thing here where a nuclear detonation or a nuclear meltdown is interfering with a time travel device or somehow controlling a time travel mechanism. Mm-hmm. So I ultimately, even though we didn't get something that was very Cold War focused, despite a cameo appearance by uh, John F. Kennedy. Right. That was fun. It was very satisfying for me. Like what we ended up with, I was like, this was pretty fun. Yeah. I For me. Yeah, it was fun. I'll give you that. Fun is a good way to put it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I think this episode is exactly what it aspires to be. That's I don't true, think it you know? I don't think it aspires to be anything loftier than what it is, which is a I would call it a time travel romp. The stakes are obviously painted out very early. Ian theorizes that this is a time loop and Ben will just keep dropping back into bodies. They realize at the project that there is an expert they could consult about time loops and somebody who has written PhD papers on it and happens to be at the project right now. And that's Janice Calavici. So Janice has a very active role in this episode, but she determines that this is not an endless time loop. This is a finite time loop that will end once Ben has leaped into all five people that are available to him in this elevator. Right. Well, that Um, wasn't, that wasn't Janice though. That was Ziggy. Oh, Ziggy projected that. Ziggy projected that as more data became available. Right, okay, Ziggy okay. determined. Like, like, remember, I think it was uh, like the second or third leap. Ian had to come to Ziggy's defense when they were blaming Ziggy for why, like, how come he didn't know that to begin with or something? And Ian right. made the argument, well, Ziggy didn't have all the information that he has now. Z- Ziggy's learning just as Ben is in each leap, right? Because right, right. because the deal with this is that once the initial death happens and they start to kind of research what happened at this government facility, they learn that all five of these people were reported dead by the government within mm-hmm. a week of each other. Right. And so it becomes clear that, oh, this was a cover-up. None of the information that Ziggy has is necessarily accurate and there's nothing really useful we can share with Ben. Ben just has to go and investigate. One of the things about it that I was a little surprised by is when they started saying that it was infinite, like he had all the time in the world. I was like, no, but you've only got five people in the elevator. And, and then you've it's only later got 43 minutes. Episode. Yeah. And then <laughs> <laughs> and it's not until later in the episode that they're like, oh, wait, he can't leap back into another body a second time. Right. And I was like, oh, was that a possibility? I guess the visual setup was enough to convey to me that he had five chances. Sure. You know? sure. Well, I like, mean, yeah. And, and the fact that this is a TV show and, and we understand 
the episodic nature of it. You know, it's right. like, like obviously it just... we know he doesn't have an infinite number of chances. Now the the Enterprise on cause and effect did seem to have an infinite number of chances. In fact, I think they spent something like three weeks in that time loop. Yeah, I think they were stuck in it for three weeks. Slightly different situation there. Yeah, we understand what Quantum Leap is. We understand what to expect from an episode of Quantum Leap. So, yeah, for a moment there, it does seem like we know more than our main cast does about what's happening here. That's called dramatic irony. (laughs) (laughs) Intentional or not. The one thing in the very first note that I had down here was that even though I'd already kind of waved goodbye to it, uh, this definitely, definitely slams the door on any kind of waiting room. By the simple fact of the line, you leaped into the one person that we needed to talk to. The time that he leaps into Dr. Woolsey. Yes. And they want to be able to talk to Dr. Woolsey. But, ugh, you've leaped into the one person we actually want to talk to. And yet, I feel like this is the episode where we got confirmation that Ben's body is still there at the project. Is it? I feel like it is, because because all of those vital statistics just plummet. Right. That is really interesting. That is really fun. The way they talk about him is if Ben dies in the leap, he dies in real life. Well, what does that mean if his body isn't still there at the project? Isn't the whole idea that he disappeared and they can't find him? I don't know whether that meant physically or just in the leap sense where like, you know, he's... You don't feel like this show would well, have left somebody on the table. Hey, but, but hey, they but hey. They have scenes of her standing next to him on the table. It's it's right there. Man, it's right there in the prologue in the old show. He stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. Yeah. Sam you know? did because Sam his did, body right. was gone. but. It's becoming more and more obvious that this show goes with the consciousness leap because there's no waiting room. He holds the physical attributes of the host as opposed to an aura that they talk about in the original series. So it's becoming more difficult for me to square these as the same continuity. Mm, Okay. Like, okay, they're using the time travel and they're treating it like a time travel show and that's great. But in doing so, they seem to be distancing themselves from how we understand the technology to work, mm-hmm. but also trying to tie themselves to Al Calavici. They mentioned Sam again this week. Yeah, yeah. They're feeling less and less canonically compatible. Yeah, are we in a world where the episode Killing Time could have happened? Right. It, 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 are we in a continuity where... A leapy could conceivably escape into the year 2023, right? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Remember uh, that one, right? Like, yeah, the, but they're not even there. They're not there. That's what I'm saying. So, like, 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 the like that's the, that's the litmus test. Has the technology changed? I guess. Like, could it all be based on the code that's uploaded to Ziggy? Because the other part of it that rubs me a little the wrong way is that they say again. The accelerator chose this entry point, the elevator. When they refer to the elevator Mm -hmm. as like his entry point into the sleep, why did the accelerator choose this spot? They've talked about that before. Yes, yeah. The machine chose him to go here. The machine chose that he be doing these things. And to me, it's becoming less and less likely that he's out there leaping himself around. And maybe Ben isn't. Maybe in... 
the way yeah. these things are being written, I don't think the writers believe that Ben is in control. Right. No, I, I completely agree there. Now, but- up until today, up until this episode, I had always envisioned it the way we understood it from the original series, which was the Leaper actually did have control about where they were going and what they decided to do and what they decided to change. And they just didn't realize it until they do. This episode is really making me feel like that's not the case for Ben. Yeah, it really does seem to spell it out pretty explicitly that that's not the case. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but there's also the tease that comes at the end of the episode that suggests that someone specifically instructed Ben to start leaping. Right, right. And when that happened, not knowing who this individual is, was that, is this person in control of the leaping? Right. Right? Obviously, we don't know enough about that. This episode, I think, benefited from not really being about that mystery very much. (laughs) You know? They have that little stinger at the end, and that's about it. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. Well, it was first and foremost about the just dynamics of the time travel as it related to this specific episode. And it was about that leap. Does it give you any more perspective on whether time splinters? I feel like this episode seems to confirm that it flows like a river. If not, we would end up with like five disparate realities just in this episode alone. Right. Right? It seems to me, especially seeing, because we're seeing it predominantly from the 2023 perspective, that mm-hmm. that the time stream just seems to realign based on whatever the ultimate course is here. Right? Right. Like, I don't think he's in the time loop. He's stuck in the time loop, but things don't change for them in 2023 each time that it starts over. Exactly. Exactly. So So it's but things don't change for them anyway, except that. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, I think that like what he's doing is not directly impacting them in that moment. And nothing he changes affects the timeline to a drastic degree that it would impact them either directly or indirectly, right? Mm -hmm. I think eventually we'll see something that does impact them, kind of like on the old series where Al suddenly died and was replaced by Roddy McDowell. We'll see a moment like that, especially considering that Ben's whole impetus for leaping was something to do with saving Addison. We're going to see, I think at some point, the outcome of, yeah, but what if I didn't? This is a reality that has supposedly records of prior histories like tons and tons of records of prior original histories right ziggy is equipped to store what had been and what is right right and that's why like in this episode the more that ben leaps back into the elevator and new people ziggy's statistics keep changing initially every single person has a 20% chance of having been the one to cause the accident that blew up the facility. Then it's down to, like, basically 50-50, these two people, you know? Right, okay. I was thinking more in terms of your traditional Ziggy statistics in that you're, oh, it's a 62% chance you're here to do this thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it was more like... This Ziggy knows 100% what it is you're supposed to do because... They sent them there to do it, probably. Right, we can take that for granted. Like, Ziggy knows what you're doing there. Yeah. Uh, It's just a matter of what you need to do to make that impact. 
Yeah, so we fall back into that question then that... What is this project for and how yeah, does it work? Is a techno- <laughs> yeah, there is a technology that is dependent on your doing something good for somebody in order to continue moving. Or is it? If you can just leap because you died, it didn't accomplish anything, but it didn't kill him. Well, what would have happened if he hadn't succeeded on that last leap? I mean, the implication is that that was it. That, that was the only shot he had. And I think the fact that we saw why? him... So I'm fine because that's what the story needed, Nate. <laughs> like sometimes, sometimes the answer is as simple as that. I think. Okay, you're you're somebody who has told me that it has to make sense, that it has to play by its rules. I think this episode plays by its rules. But what are those rules? The, the rules were that they had he had five chances and then he dies on the fifth one. Right. And they determined this because there were five people in the elevator. Because there were five people and he couldn't leap into the same person twice. Which, I don't know, that makes sense to me because the way that I've always taken leaping to work is that two bodies can't occupy the same space simultaneously, right? Or two psyches in this case. However you're looking at it, Ben can't leap into Ben leaping into somebody else. Right. Right? So it's like, if he's already been there once, he can't do it a second time. Oh, what if he had talked to himself? <laughs> what if what if there was a what if there was a timeline where Ben what occupied if, all five people simultaneously? Well, well, by the time he was Mo, maybe he was all of those other people. Whoa, whoa! What if they had gone that deep? <laughs> that would have been. Uh, what if they had split it up? That's a two-parter, like, Nate. That's a two-part episode. That's <laughs> so he leaps in as the general. They all die, and then he leaps back. He looks up. He sees that he's the assistant. He looks over at the general, and it's him. He's like, hey. And then, so it's like two, right. like two Bens and three other characters. And then three Bens and two other characters. And then four Bens and one last character. And then at the end, it's all five of them are just Ben. <laughs> <laughs> running around, and they're all working together to solve the problem. Okay, so, so here's... Oh, so- that would have been... That would have been... That would I been think that would have been good. Pretty nuts. Because then Ben from the first leap could tell Ben from the second leap what he remembers. And second Ben could tell third Ben that he remembers this because rather than him <laughs> this actually... Is like, this is like that Spider-Man meme. Yeah. yeah where they're it, just pointing but, at each other. <laughs> rather than his just retaining the memories of each leap, what if... Because he died in that person, he has to try and communicate to himself. A mystery that will take five oh, bends man. to solve. Um, yeah. But, okay, so first thought I'm thinking when you're talking about that <laughs> is that maybe this episode does prove that there are alternate timelines in this quantum leap. Well, right? I don't because think Because if, un- if there was one unified timeline, then what you're talking about would probably be the outcome of that. Right? But because... Every time Ben leaps back, it's like a clean slate. Yeah. What happens to what occurred before? Where does that go? Right? Yeah. Because the people in 2023, they all experienced it. Like, it's a thing that happened. You can't just erase it, right? And have well, them still remember that, that it does. happened. I mean, but, no, but, that's but, what we do. Yeah, but they... Quantum Leap, the project guys still all vividly remember. They're like, oh, he's died four times already. You know? Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It is, I will say, a time travel can of worms. Yeah. But I I think largely it does play by its own rules because it doesn't over-explain what's happening. Because what we're doing right now is not brought up by the show itself. No, I know. 
I think it manages it just now to, came to me. It manages to skirt the rules. I love those ideas. Like it's a brilliant idea, and I yeah, right. It would be wonderful yeah. if they if they could do that at some point, but I don't know that they can now that we've have this episode. Right, like this episode's already kind of disproven that that's even possible. But who knows? So in Project Quantum Leap, there where they have all the vital signs up and running, and where are they getting those readings from? Yeah. So my my feeling again was that his body is there. But it's How just as they... possible then that they're like just reading him the same way they get his brain wave patterns for the imaging chamber and what have you, yeah, right? Like I it's... think that's more likely because of the way they say the data flow loss. You know why else it's kind of likely? Addison goes home and sleeps in her apartment at the end of the night instead of sleeping next to her comatose boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> obviously some kind of data flow from the ether to the system not from a body to the system but it is really interesting we never really saw that before mm-hmm. in the prior iteration of the show and right i that would be the question i would ask if i could ask any of the writers on this show any single question wouldn't this all have just been easier if you had just mentioned the waiting room at literally any point and cleared this up Because it is, it's very murky and it doesn't really correlate well to what we know to be true about Project Quantum Leap. Yeah, which could be perfectly fine if it was a reboot and not a continuation. Right, but it's very explicitly a continuation, right? So it's, yeah. Yeah, it's explicitly a continuation except that he leaps where and whenever he wants. You know, it's not within his own lifetime. He is building up temporal momentum because he's trying to get to a certain point right he doesn't replace people so there's no waiting room there's just so many things that are not the original yeah someone or something is in control of this right like some Mm -hmm. someone is in control of it whether that's via some sort of scientific formula that's leading him to a certain point or something more direct and explicit that is just guiding the leaps right whether that thing is ziggy or what, but even that alone seems to contradict what we understand about Quantum Leap based on, well, one, everything we experienced on the original series, but two, where the series ends off with first the implication that God or fate or time is leaping him, and then Sam is kind of controlling the leaps himself. Well, who is controlling Ben's leaps, right? Right. If not Ben, then who? I think it's the program. This one is not lending itself to any kind of higher power direction, you know? Like there's, sure. It's, it's the um, algorithm that's leading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the algorithm and his trajectory to a point that he has specified. Now that I'm thinking about it, the only thing in the original series that backs this up at all really is the episode, uh, The Leap Back where Sam goes back into the accelerator and says that he thinks he can target it this time. That's right. That's right. Uh, but I felt like, and maybe this is a head cannony thing, but because he was trying to leap directly into Al, right? Yeah. Like Al was the one in the past. Sam was trying to target him. And because they're kind of connected, it was the sort of thing they could kind of pull off without it being this haphazard thing. Like they're connected to each other, like a more intimate level, just via brainwave. Because their neurons and mesons had merged in yes. some sense. So yes. they were almost, yes. they, they shared DNA in a sense. But, but you're not wrong. Like, like that, 
that was more about convenience for the episode. Because if you think about that episode too much, it's like, okay, but where are the bodies of the people that Al leaped into? Evidently, that soldier is in the waiting room, right? Right. Supposedly. So when he leaps into Al, does Al then go into the into the waiting room? Does Al go and into then, the waiting room? Or is now there's two dudes in the waiting room. Yeah, there's two guys in the waiting room. One of them is a soldier in Al's body, and the other one is Al in <laughs> Sam's body. Right. <laughs> like, and see, these are all the things that gets way too messy in that original show. And, and that's why I think like this episode in particular, I think it works for me specifically because if I ignore everything else going on around it, and I just look at this as a fun time travel centric episode Mm -hmm. it largely plays by the rules it sets forth in this episode whether those rules are set forth for plot convenience spoilers they are or because they're trying to lend themselves to the overall narrative and the overall understanding that we have of quantum leap that ultimately doesn't matter as long as it tells a story and it adheres to the rules it sets forth for this episode and i think it does for me I loved Robert Picardo in it he did a great job god he was so great he was he was just delightful and uh and you always believe he's altruistic you know even in the face of potential dastardly kind of conduct like he seems like a guy who believes in what he's doing and you can kind of be like yeah oh shucks this guy's this is a good guy yeah except he's a sellout in order to, you know... Yeah, uh, yeah. One question I had... His thing seemed to be messing with his broken watch. Every leap, turn through the cycle, he was, like, tapping his watch or twisting his watch or something, and it never came into play. You want to know what I think that was? Yes, that's why I brought it up. I think it was a red herring. <laughs> because early in this process, we discover... Uh, it's actually in the... Eugene leap the second leap where Ben goes down into like sort of the reactor area and finds a bomb and there is a trigger for that bomb somewhere on site we learn that as the leaps progress that someone in this facility is actually triggering the bomb with something on their person right and I think that's why that that is there because it's one of those things where the audience can be looking and like oh is it him with the watch you know, is it Eugene with the pen? Is it, you know, and and, and and you can kind of... I almost certainly missed that because as soon as I found out there was a signal being sent to a bomb, I knew it was the pen. If you're steeped in spy movies... Yeah, it's just that... The, the pen is always... Only because of that James Bond movie. Yeah. What is it? Gold, <laughs> is it Goldeneye? I think, uh, yeah, I think Goldeneye's the one. It's, but yeah. then again, Goldfinger's the one with the watch. So, I don't know. <laughs> I just remember that, that one... It's a lot of watch trinkets. A lot of pen trinkets. A lot of trinkets, yeah. that guy. <laughs> I just remember that from James Bond, that uh, the one guy that used a pen, and he would just keep clicking it. Oh, because mm-hmm. the click the, the pen was a bomb. And yes. he would click it on and click it off and click it on and click it off again yeah. um, as he played with it. and uh, Yeah, it was absolutely Goldeneye. Yeah. It was Goldeneye. And, and that guy, I am invincible. Yeah, <laughs> Alan, right? Cummings, Alan Cummings' character in Goldeneye, yeah. Right, exactly. And that, I guess it's just so imprinted on my brain that I immediately thought it was the pen. So the watch thing made no sense to me. 
But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. There was it's it's just there as a red herring. Okay, I do like the way that he put the mystery together. That was good. The notebook, the papers missing from the pad. Right. It's like stuff he's learning in each consecutive leap kind of come back and say, right. oh, wait, oh, and this, oh, and this. Each person that he's inhabited, he learns something about that person. The colonel has a daughter. He's got to get to the recital. I've got to get home to my fiance. She's got to meet her sister or, you know, there's there's something. Exactly. Yeah. He's learned something about each one of these people. That he then uses to, as Ben is wont to do, give a speech that persuades somebody to feel something. And uh, Ben at his best near the end there. So th- that worked for me. That was pretty successful. And the dad joke landed oh, with me. the dad joke. That was great. Like, like what a great bookend for this episode. He gets it early on and then tries to, oh, yeah, and I have to tell you this joke to Addison right as he's leaping. She never gets the punchline. Right. Tell me on the next one. How do Adams say goodbye? Gotta split. <laughs> yeah. That's and, great. And it's it, great. Yeah. The joke, just the dad joke, maybe not all that funny, but Raymond Lee is great at selling the fact that he's in, in the, <laughs> that he's taken by this joke. He loved you know? the joke. Yeah, it was just, he's it so was. Enli- yeah, he's ben enlightened just is, by it. Once he realizes, wait, what? Oh, that's a great joke, you know? It just, yeah, uh, right. it's, it's such a great little, little moment for Ben. Yeah. I like that actor quite a bit. He's, he's, uh, he's done a great job with what he's been given thus far. And I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, but I will say, um, probably the most powerful moment that first death at the start of the episode addison's reaction caitlin bassett caitlin bassett was wonderful she brought the heat man like like was incredible we know watching this show okay well that's not the end of it we're only eight minutes into this episode right but you would not know it based on addison's response Right. To all of this. And you think like everything these folks are doing to try to bring him home and everything Addison has emotionally invested in this. And she just delivers like yeah. it was it was such I, I, I remember the very first episode of the show. I was like, I don't buy into their relationship <laughs> like those days are over and, and they yeah. have been for several episodes now. But by God, that her reaction to it just. Yeah, it's like a ton of bricks. It was that was great. wonderful, and Absolutely yeah, great. I can just see the script. I can see the script written down as no, <laughs> right? You know, like with an N with a bunch of O's. No, but this visceral scream that she has. I wish that we could have lingered in it just a little bit longer. Yeah, it resets. It back, resets so know? quickly. Yeah, well, it does quickly because they got, like you said, forty-three minutes and five people to get through. But yeah. If we could have lingered in that just a little bit longer, I mean, she really sells it. And since we're talking about it, and what a wonderful job she's done, I'm going to bring up something that you and I missed the last time we were doing a podcast, Quantum Leap Proper, as we were discussing Caitlin Bassett last time. Uh Well, I brought up the fact that I didn't quite buy her as a soldier. You remember? Uh, Yes. Yeah. You, in a lighter sense, said, well, I kind of feel like I have to see it. Uh, longtime listener and friend of the show uh, contacted me to point out that Caitlin Bassett, before becoming an actress, 
No, come on. Enlisted in the United States Army at the age of 18 and spent seven years as an intelligence analyst, attaining the rank of staff sergeant in the military with three combat deployments to Afghanistan. Wow. So all I hear is you said in- intelligence? Yeah. She's huh. Jack Ryan. So I, so again, we go back to why do we need Jen? <laughs> Right? Oh, <laughs> I'm just God. kidding. I don't no. want to make this about that. No, um, I didn't either. I didn't. But... <laughs> I instead meant to point out that. Uh, Holy crap, she's a badass. Yeah, she's I was way badass. out of line. I guess uh, needed to um, needed to correct that because the actress herself was a soldier. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I remember remarking upon it. The episode with the the congresswoman comes and in, in, yeah. interviews them all. Yeah. And she has that moment where she says, "says Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes." Yes. Ma'am. I was really buying it then. Oh well, shame on you, Nate. Shame Just... on me. <laughs> I am. I'm shaming myself here. Apologies to Caitlin Bassett if, for some reason, you were listening to this podcast. Absolutely. Should have done a little research before I opened my big mouth, I guess. <laughs> Decorated military veteran. Wow. Never um, would have known. I mean, she left the military to become an actress, and she nailed it in this episode. And yeah. Really bought it. She has that heart-to-heart with magic. There are a couple great magic lines in this episode. And by great magic lines, I mean lines that sort of provided segues in clever ways. Like when he says to Jen, I'll be the one dealing with the fallout. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about, you know, a nuclear facility. I thought that was really cute. Ben has saved the day and Magic's response is, talk about the longest day. Yeah, right. That was a great little nod there. Magic got a, got a few great moments. I don't know I would have sacrificed any of them just because it added a little levity and like, I think... Sure. Magic's investment here, and if if I can't say anything else positive about Jen in this episode, I will say this. I think that Jen's response to him at the end of the episode, like, hey, remember, we're all here. This is not just you, and you're not the one wearing the consequences if everything goes wrong. We're all a part of this. And um, mm, I'm going to push back. Okay, go ahead. He is the head of a military institution But here. Jen's not military, right? She's just a hacker. <laughs> Who knows what Jen really is? She's, a, she's the head of security in a military facility, and he is a ranking admiral? All right, so Jen is the Mo of Project Quantum Leap. right? The Mo Murphy of Project Quantum Leap is Mo is Murphy Jen. was a janitor. Yeah, I mean, the same difference, right? And uh... <laughs> uh, No, I guess my point is when she was having that argument with him, like I saw where she was coming from and I know what she was trying to say. But my feeling was, no, he's in charge. Somebody has to make that call. Right. It is ultimately on him. To be fair, though, I don't think this is a conversation that any other character would have had with him. <laughs> That's true. I guess they ha- maybe they have some kind of history that that. And the other thing that he mentioned was that he felt some remorse for not siding with Janice to begin with. Yes. Yeah. It's not just remorse. He says that Project oh. Quantum Leap is her birthright. Yeah. That was a little bit much. I was That's like, a, more, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, is it though? Is it anybody's birthright? It's really only Sam's birthright. Let's be honest. 
Yeah, exactly. Just because your dad worked somewhere. Yeah. That's I, like I me walking into a bumble. phone company and saying, it's my birthright to install telephones. That That's what it would be like <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. I, Never would have exactly. dreamed of doing that. And lastly, as long as we're talking about Janice. Okay, here we go. The sedative? Yes. It was a sedative, <laughs> huh? All right, so I knew we were going to bring this up because we've been holding this against Janice. And I have to believe most of the viewing audience has since the second episode of the show where she just straight up drugged a, I'm going to say, beloved Quantum Leap character. Yes. <laughs> and this episode really, I think this is the last we're going to talk about it, Nate. Like I, like, I don't think they're going back to it again. I think this is it. Janice has said her piece. First of all, I didn't drug her. It was a sedative. I put her to sleep. And second of all, fuck that bitch. That was basically Janice's response. She deserved it because she kept me from achieving in my life what I wanted to achieve. And I was like, okay, so she's presented in a way that now if we push back against it, we sound like the asshole. Right. Whatever. I'll push. That's <laughs> bullshit. You don't do that to your mom. I don't care if it's a beloved character or not. That's your mom. That's true. I mean, I, I'm I'm with you on this. I was like, okay. And but- what the hell kind of sedative causes you to drop out of your chair onto the floor? Well, let's think about this. Beth is old at this point. But if you're now trying to rewrite history, as it were... And have Janice's poisoning be a sedative release in a tea. Initially, that would have been, here, Mom, have some tea. Oh, let me put a pillow behind your head as you gently fall asleep. Oh, that's true. And yeah, now like, I will she's... sneak down to the basement. She really just she falls, doesn't care. She falls flat on the floor. Laser Mom right out. Like, like instantly. <laughs> Yeah, there's some definitely some revisionist history going on here. I will never be on the side of Janice Calavici. No, that's just, you don't do that Well, shit, at best, she comes across as being like an entitled brat. That's the best interpretation of this, right? Yeah. Because again, who's telling us that she deserves to be at Project Quantum Leap? Well, Magic. I trust Magic. But I also think his judgment is clouded here because he's got a lot of personal stakes, whether it's with Al, whether it's with Sam. And then other than that, we know that she's smart, but being intelligent doesn't mean you're not a dick, you know? So, right. so is she series regular next year? Yes. I say yes. And I hope not. I think it's almost an absolute certainty that she's a series regular next year. And mm. even more than that, I feel like she might be replacing one of our cast members next year. Which one? I don't know yet. I know what I find most interesting. And that would be Addison. I want the mission to save Addison to fail spectacularly. Not to say we won't ever see Addison again, but yeah. See, the thing, if you're going to go to all the trouble to to drug your mom, (laughs) (laughs) just to get that damn hand link for the imaging chamber that you're building, and we never see her in the goddamn imaging chamber. Right. <laughs> T- like a tenth of one episode. I don't know. It's a good comeback after those last two, which I really did not like. Yeah, those I did not were not even good. enjoy watching those. This made me feel a little better moving forward. But 
uh, as we're beginning to run a little long here, we should probably at least get to our theories on that stinger. Oh, yes. We don't get a next time on Quantum Leap style leap out this time. Instead, we spend a little bit of time in 2023 where, as you mentioned, Janice says that she is willing to give the team a name just because they showed a little faith in her. Again, it seems like she just gets off on being withholding. Like, just tell us what the hell's going on. You know, it's... Exactly. <laughs> and it doesn't... I don't buy it because, one, they didn't really give her the benefit of the doubt. Nobody believed her except for Magic. Magic did, yeah. And I guess Ian kind of cozied up to her a little bit. Yeah, they had a moment. They they did have a moment. But as far as Addison is concerned, as far as Jen is concerned, neither one of them gave her the time of day. Right. Didn't want her in the room. And right, but well, yeah. rightfully so. I don't know. I think so. That being said, what is Janice getting out of offering them a name? Her whole thing is you can't say anything. It'll ruin everything. Right. If you talk about it. And I can't trust oh, any well, of you. you were nice to me. Yeah. So maybe here's a, I'll, t I'll tell you a little something. Like, Why? Well, she only what? says it to Addison, right? Like, Addison's the only one present when she says, I'll give you a name. Right. And I still don't necessarily believe, because Addison is at the core of what Ben is trying to accomplish, that Janice doesn't necessarily have an ulterior motive for telling her or giving her information. Now, again, and I've said this for almost every single time one of these little stingers happens, maybe I'm giving the writing staff too much credit. In terms of how they're going to weave all these pieces together. But I think that I think that there's a reason Janice would be willing to share that information with Addison and not necessarily with the rest of the team. But isn't Addison just going to take it to the team if it's pertinent information? Maybe not. Maybe not. And she's giving and she's a rewarding then Addison for the actions of the team, but not rewarding the team. Well, I mean, other than Jen. I mean, the rest of the team is kind of behind her at this point. Addison's the one kind of holdout. So, I don't know. Maybe she's using information to kind of get buy-in. I don't know. It just seems, it's, if the last episode is to be believed, that she cannot share any information or it won't work in the world where a quantum leap accelerator exists, everything you say, as soon as you utter it, everybody hears it. Right, right. She's so adamant to that effect, there doesn't seem to be a good reason to, okay, well, maybe just a little bit, you know? It's like letting the kid have a a, a chocolate chip cookie when you said no dessert. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Now you're not going to learn anything. Great job, yeah. parent right, of the year. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. But, but of course, I mean, we don't know who the person is yet. We don't know how she's going to deliver that information. I be willing to bet that it's not going to be as cut and dry as just uttering a name with her because nothing ever is and of course it's a show and and they have to propel a narrative for x number of episodes or even just an entire hour right so yeah, well no i assume that addison in real time now knows that name the camera cut and <laughs> in real time she kept saying the saying the name now, here's what i right? think is going to happen i think the next episode is going to open with ben's leap and then we're going to cut to 2023 and <laughs> and Janice is going to come out of a door into the main area where like Ian and Magic and all those guys are. And Addison's going to be following behind her and be like, come on, just tell me the name. 
and Janice is going to be like, I'll tell you later. I'll do you one better. They're probably in a conference room with Addison telling the rest of the team that Janice is willing to give her a name. Oh, I think you actually hit the nail on the head. That's what it is. She's told me she'll give me a name. And that's the whole 2023 like, plot of the next episode is like, they're like, like who somehow, could this name be, man? Yeah. And how, like, when how is she going to tell us this? How does that conversation not continue? It's like Belize all over. It again. is. It is. It's just like that conversation on the beach. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see next week. I, I uh, it's got to be somebody from the future that we don't know yet, right? I didn't need that stinger at the end of this episode. I didn't need a tease for. Ooh, yeah. I'll give you a name. You know. Yeah. Uh, all in all, I'd call it successful. A good step back. I wish I had a tease for what's going to happen next week. Yeah, we had no idea. No idea where he leads. Absolutely no um, idea. So uh, that notwithstanding, <laughs> we've got, what, six episodes left. You think we'll see them all at once? <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else for this episode? No, nah, I think I'm uh, I think I'm all out. Folks, you can contact us at Oboy. QLPod at gmail.com. That's O H B O Y QLPod at gmail.com. Email us your theories. Who do you think told Ben to start leaping around through time? We didn't really touch on that too much. What other cast members served in the military? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's see. <laughs> Have you researched anything about the actress that plays Jen? <laughs> okay. Let us know. Also, uh, do check out the other podcasts on the Paprika Podcast Network. Movie reviews, drafts, got a really fun recast podcast up right now where three people try to recast an updated version of The Godfather. That's a lot of fun. And uh, until next time, folks, I'm Brian. And I'm Nate. And we'll be here, even if the show refuses to be, in the waiting room. <laughs>